Hello and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. A great week for comedy to review. Uh, this is really the best thing for Mark and I to get talking about. We couldn't love comedy more. Um, joining me as always, Mark. How you doing, buddy? Uh, greetings! I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Full of Red Bull, which uh, is disgusting and shouldn't be drank. But my God, when you do need to get energy for a podcast, it is the way. It's true. Um, Mm. I'm fairly certain my cat uh, has a cocaine problem because he's decided (laughs) every morning around three, between three and five a.m. that he will do uh, suicides in our apartment, just running back and forth. Or eat my girlfriend's hair. <laughs> wow. That definitely sounds like cocaine. Well, that's what I do when I'm on cocaine. I run suicides and <laughs> eat my girlfriend's hair. Eat so. your girlfriend's hair? Well, that's how you know. <laughs> I've never those done comparisons. cocaine. I've never done cocaine. The fuck my is heart- up with cats when they do that shit, too? <laughs> They're I, so my cat weird. Used to do that. And, and he's such a sweet little animal. I mean, you've met him, but he's mm. he's also weird. Cats are weird, though. They're just like waiting, like they just give you that look. Unlike dogs that just look at you with the tongue out, like breathing, like hope, breathing quick, hoping that you're going to take them on a walk or play with them. Cats just have that like, I'll sit real close to you, Uh look at you in a way that's saying that if I was larger, I would 100% try and kill you. It's like if, if when God was creating cats, he was like, I want an animal that completely encompasses that girl you like in high school that doesn't like you back but kind of needs your help in geometry like how about a cat <laughs> awesome that's who, who, who will make them cats <laughs> yeah as soon as you do anything more than they want they just leave they're, they're like, like i don't have yeah, time right now I'm, you're I'm busy exactly yeah exactly cats why do we own them they tricked us because i want them to love me <laughs> <laughs> All right, cats on cocaine. That's a, that's a weird. boom. That'll be our new podcast right. starting this fall. Uh, <laughs> cats on cocaine. Cats, we just chase them around. Cats on cocaine. Where do they get it? We'll take your uh, theme song submissions. Uh, <laughs> just message us. <laughs> it would it would have to be the the Benny Hill soundtrack, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It would have to be that. I think it'd no, be amazing. No way. All right. Awesome. So first on the week we had on. Tom Papa, right? Tom mm-hmm. Papa, of course, uh, great comedian. He's been around forever. A longtime friend of Joe's. He's got a ton of popularity from Joe's podcast, like many of his good friends. And right. is really best known for his bread making. He loves making bread. He used to bring bread on Joe's That's podcast. That's right. Talk about the bread that he made. And oh eventually, I think the fucking, like... What is it like? Nat Geo channel gave him a show. You were telling where me he that. Goes, yeah, he goes around to bakeries and and checks out their bread. My like gr- what? My girlfriend wants that job. <laughs> <laughs> you would think he weighs like five hundred pounds from all the you bread would. that he eats. No, he looks good. Yeah, that's it. That's He'd it. never make it in this town. You know, one of the. Interesting parts of the beginning of their conversation they were, when they were talking about uh, having kids for one and their kids kind of being funny, you know, like sure. at least with both of them, they're professional stand up. So they they probably pay attention to things that are actual like good comedy that right. they're always looking for. So they see these things, these snippets come out of their kids. But then they both talked about what do you say to your kid if they want to be a stand up? And I think thought that's a great question Mm -hmm. because you and i love it and we perform and what would we say what would you say to your kid do it yeah yeah i'd be like i would and i know they're gonna fall on their face but i mean look i don't have kids i'm not gonna have kids so this is very easy for me to say because when you're in the when you're in the uh heat of the battle of parenthood so to speak I'm sure it's entirely different because they're going to be very protective of their kids, or we're going to be. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like there's value in falling on your face sometimes and learning uh, learning how to get back up. I think that's... But what happens if you felt like it was more of just their excuse for not wanting to work hard in 
high school and or go to college. Well, I, you're like, wait a minute. Do they really want to be this creative type and go for this endeavor? Well, if they're, or are they just trying to? Well, if they're my kids, I'm going to probably err on the side of genetics. We're like, well, I was that stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't regret it for a damn minute. I'd rather. Yeah, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting question to like put forward. You know, it is. What about you? Uh, I don't know. I think that's why I found it so interesting. Like even Joe kind of had reservations. He was like, well, I mean, it's just so difficult to do well in. But like anything, you could learn it. Uh, I I just wonder if it only makes sense to be like, okay, listen, you can do that. But you've got to also work at in school or you've got to at least get a degree like your job as a parent is to put them in a position to survive exactly Set them and you, to- you don't want to i guess you don't want to bully them into doing you know you're gonna be a doctor and that's it like let them do the things that they want but um it, it, it's a bit scary if they're just like i just want to paint that's it i'm not going to school just painting you're like wait a second hold on well i mean I get it, and I, I, you'd have to take it. I mean, I think you'd have to take it case by case. But and here, I, I feel kind of like a hypocrite because I'm sitting here thinking, well, man. I mean, most of the fun is the journey. It's, it's not. It's it's not the end. It's it's getting there. It's it's the hustle. But at the same time, I'm, I've told like three people this week. I was like, I think I'm going to quit. I'm sick of this shit. And they're like, why? And I'm like, and I give all my reasons because I'm sick of you know, not getting booked, you know, for shows where I'm like, I'm stronger comic than that. And then, and then somebody's like, well, come do my show. I'm like, okay, I will. No problem. Happy to. So <laughs> like, it's this double-edged sword. Yeah. But, um, but I know when it's all said and done, whether I'm successful or not at it, I'll be happy I did it. Right. But that, I think that's the point. It's like, yeah. sure, encourage them and give them the opportunity. But it's like, listen, this is going to be your hobby. Like doing jujitsu is going to be your hobby. I I, right. I think even even if my kid was like, I want to be a jujitsu instructor, it's hard to make good money doing that. Sure. I mean, people do it, but it's hard to make it a job. It's just not. There's the opportunity wise is just not quite there. I think I don't know. It's just that something that I hadn't thought about before, and not that I'm thinking of having kids or whatever. But it's like I I kind of assumed that I would be more liberal to that idea yeah i kind of assumed i'd always be like whatever they want to pursue as long as it's their passion i'm down but then you start thinking wait a minute maybe they don't have a clue and they're just not wanting to do any work here's where i'd struggle because i would say to them i'd be very encouraging i'd be like yes go for it and then in my mind i'd be like i've made all of these mistakes so i can teach them and they won't have to suffer through these mistakes the same way I did. And then they will be like normal children, not listen to me, and then suffer in the exact same way. And I'll be like, I should have just told him not to do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. It's yep. exactly what They're going to do it happen. anyway. Totally. They're going to do it. Totally. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll find out if ever I have kids. But it'll be something I have to That's think true. about. But because if they look at my life, they're going to be like, you did all kinds of weird shit, so absolutely, why can't I? I'd do like, as I say, it. don't do as I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, that's it. So, talking about the type of stand-up that Tom Popper is able to do, right? So, yeah. he obviously, full-time comedian. And he has little bits of stuff, shows and things, but he's successful enough. He, What's his routine, right? And that was a great question that Joe kind of threw out there because I'm always list, I'm always like hoping that we get those gems of knowledge from the comedians, of course. Like how they do it. Like obviously everyone has a different process. Like yours is even different to mine on our level. Then there's these guys that are really about as pro as as you can get. I I think once you get to their level, it's more about your popularity it on is. you know rather than your ability to do comedy. You know, yeah, I mean, it's they, not to say they're as good as they can get or Tom Papa couldn't get better. It's not that. But I mean, he has all the expert. If all of a sudden he blew up and was the biggest comic in the country because of a few viral videos, his comedy wouldn't need to get any better for him to be recognized right, yeah, it, as a great. To, to use a sports analogy, he's in the majors and hitting home runs. It's not a question of whether or not he'll hit, hit home runs. It's a question of how many. 
kind of. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he just hasn't been caught with he a knows DUI how to do yet it. and made front page. Exactly. But he knows how to do it. Yeah. Like, there's no, no... for sure. There's no, like, fine-tuning his set going, well, maybe you should do this and drop that joke and this needs to be sharper. No, it's just, like, just... He's good. It's done. Yeah. There's, there's no training involved anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just from all the areas that he's gets to perform that he's you know just being around since the beginning of the all these guys mm-hmm. and held on that kind of level i mean it's 20 years in if you survive this long and you know these other comics you're gonna be good because yeah. you just can't hack your way through there's just no way you would have been able to make that so sure. again what's the routines like when do they write how do they write what do they do because it's it seems so different for mm-hmm. so many people and i think finding that out for yourself how you want to do it is not easy no, i, don't, I think not. that's a difficult part of like i know i've had a lot of trouble with just sitting down and writing and yeah. then even making something that's a joke and then i go to do it or i'm reading it out loud and i'm formulating it and i'm like this isn't how i talk when i'm making somebody laugh this it doesn't really reflect me this is almost like some way that i think someone should tell a joke exactly but it's, it's like i it's yeah it's not just your writing it's it's the performance it's discovering how you want to be as a comic and what parts of yourself if not all of yourself that you want to show to the audience and you know what aspects of that i can be a co- yeah. i can be a caustic comedian but i found it doesn't really kind of work for me in terms of how i am on stage I'm the, I need to be the more congenial kind of your buddy. Who's like, listen to this shit that just happened to me kind of comic. I can't, I got to be the guy next to you in the bar. I can't be that grizzled vet in the corner calling everybody gay and shit like that. And then ranting about the state of the world. That just doesn't work for who (laughs) I am. You know what I mean? I can't, Yeah. I, I, I can't be that type. I'm not that type. I can't be a Sam Kennison I can't be a Lewis Black, although I'd love to be a Lewis Black because I feel like ranting all the goddamn time. But I'm not a Lewis Black. I'm just well, not. Well, it's an interesting point because you can get into modes too where you're like, maybe you're just frustrated and you're writing sure. a lot that way. But again, just like you say, you don't have – your energy is like too high and peppy to be it is. really complaining to that level. It just, yeah, I mean, it, you it saw, is kind of different. You saw my set at the comedy store about how I, uh, the set I did about how I thought uh, Clark uh, Superman had a way better alter ego than Batman in terms of disguise. And but I kind of was a little angry about it because I was playing like because the the general consensus in the world is that Superman's co- alter ego of Clark Kent is lame because he just puts on glasses. And that Bruce Wayne's is awesome because he wears this suit and then he pretends to be this playboy. And I take the contrary opinion and I'm kind of arguing with just the world's popular opinion. And it, it didn't it didn't land. <laughs> Even though I thought yeah. it was funny. And I'm not saying I'm not going to do it again because I think it was good. But <laughs> I definitely think I need to approach it in a different way. Um, whether I'm acting it out or I play both parts or anything like that. Something. Sure. Well, there's so many parts to it. I mean, practicing it a hundred more times won't hurt. No, no, And then also finding finding your way into the joke, mm-hmm. you know, where you really sit with it. It's exactly. like, imagine you and I tell that same one to pull it off. It would be, it would be done in, in a very different way. Oh, totally. We should, dude, right? we should do that. We, we should go talk from about that. Totally that different. Funny. That would be interesting. Yeah. Just like mine would be so much angrier. It would be a little battle royale over who has the better Dude, uh, right. secret identity. So, so Tom was talking about like writing always in the morning. Okay, I find that for me that works very well. Yeah, writing too in the morning. But um, he says really that he works a lot of his stuff out just on stage. Cool, right? Yeah. Now he has so much stage time all the time. Exactly. That, that seems like a very freeing way of doing it. Like it does take a lot of pressure off you because I don't know if you've ever had it where you just sit there staring at the computer, trying to think of something to write. And this really goes for all writing or at least all creative writing. It's amazing that like it, it it's almost like the screen can turn your brain off or holding the phone or her holding the pen turns your brain off. 
Well, because you are at that moment looking at words on a screen, not images and ideas in your brain, thoughts and feelings that make you laugh inside your brain. And then you look at the screen and you're like, oh, I have to put this down. Oh, these are different things now. I'm looking, I'm thinking about it in a different way because I have to write it. It's tactile, it's concrete, it's in front of me. That's why I never sit down and actually like sit down at my computer. Now I will write jokes. I come up with jokes and then I put, and then I'll speak them into my, my notepad in my phone and I save them mm-hmm. and then I, you know, and then I rem- and I'll hit the beats and then I'll figure the rest out later. I'll figure out my transition or a build upon that because that's the way my brain works. But I've never, ever, actually the only time I've ever sat down to actually write, I could, couldn't do it. And I write comedy and I'll write, I write scripts and things like that. And that's very different. But when I'm doing stand up, it's all in my brain and I just yell it into my phone and that's how it goes. Cause I have to make myself laugh first, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody, again, yeah. everybody's process is different. That's just how I do it. I th- but I think that everyone's process is different, but there are certain things that no one should try to do, and yeah. you just hit it on the head. No one should just ever sit down without an idea and a blank piece of paper and say, go, be funny. Yeah. It just that you have to start with something. You have well, to start with an idea. Something needs to be making you laugh, and you're like, true. right, what, what do we do next? If Where you do we simply, go? If you sit down with the entire intention of like, well, now I must be funny – you can come at it from completely the wrong way. You've got to come down with, like, what is your angle? What's your take on things? What's your point of view on things? Even if you simply have a point of view on how people walk their dogs or how dogs take a shit or how people hang art, anything, what is your point of view? What do you, what's the story you're trying to tell or the point you're trying to get across? You've got to sit down from, with some perspective that you want to get out. If your only goal is to be funny, you're you're already doomed. It's like no, make your point or tell your story, and then add jokes as part of your process, and that is what makes it come alive. But if you just sit down and go like, "I ah, now I'm funny. What is funny? Ooh, let me think about it." You're already doomed. It's the it's the worst way to go about it, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong. Other people could be like, well, that's how I do it, buddy. I'm like, all right, well, then fine. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, But it's a tough one, though, because it, it does vary. You know, maybe you do start with your punchline in the sense of you you thought of something funny. That's just how your brain works when you're being funny. And sure. then you're like, okay, well, let me write a story around it. Yeah. But the the key is you gotta you got to start with someone, which brings up an interesting point that was coming across on the podcast. They got over to it started off talking when they were talking about uh that once upon a time uh movie and yeah in hollywood you know the new one so they they, they, really what i was feeling is they they were talking about this as like their bit of escapism like they still like movies they go to movies they enjoy it these two have both watched it and you know and they're busy guys joe definitely is but movies are important well then they talked a little bit about their meditation, right? So Tom Pop obviously was talking about his transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. And this is a big part of what he does. And he was not late for this podcast, but he did say that he needed 20 minutes just to meditate, just to chill. Then he came over and, and did it. Now, we know Joe is probably the world's biggest advocate for float tanks. And yeah. that is forced intense two-hour meditation like you can't go anywhere you're there he has one at he used to have one at his house so what's fascinating about this is it that these guys just or at least have the freedom to do whatever they want so that meditation squeezes in there like what value does that have because you always hear everyone should meditate everyone and no one does it well and then it happens and right is this related somewhat to stand-up like how is yeah. there this forced calm that they're like this is super important for how I do my stand up not just my life but like it's there for for my stand up well i was working uh, cuz i work in reality tv um some of the time i'm not going to mention the show because um non disclosure agreement but they were taught but this guy was talking about brain waves 
and alpha waves, beta waves, theta waves, and things like that. And they were talking about meditation. I do believe it's theta waves that you can simulate with meditation. I think it's, the, it's either theta or alpha. And that is that place where thought goes away and just like that creativity and that stuff can kind of come to life. Because you're, they call it the monkey mind. Um, and a lot of Tibetan monks call it that, the monkey, the monkey mind, which is just this, all these thoughts going like crazy, just over and over and over in your head, and you can't stop thinking. And when you get into that theta state or that alpha state, um, the monkey mind goes quiet, and then all, it's all the noise is gone, and whatever can really you wants to rise to the surface creatively comes up. Um, and it's instead of you just your brain, you firing your brain, you kind of let the the work just work itself out in a way, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of it. And then talking about meditation, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I would liken it to athletes. It's like, you better be in, you got to get in great shape and train hard like an athlete to go be a professional athlete. You don't get to become a professional athlete and then say, oh, well, now I'll start training. That's not how it works. You've got to train to become a professional athlete, and then that hard work pays off, and you get the work and the jobs. It's like these people, you know, you've met them. They're, they're a dime a dozen in Hollywood. The people that are like, man, if I could just get that big break, then I'd really be able to, like, dedicate myself to my acting, my directing, my writing. It's like, bitch, you better dedicate yourself, and then you'll get your big break. It don't work the opposite way. And it's like that with meditation, too. You, I don't think it's you can put the cart before the horse you don't get rich and famous and get all this free time and then start meditating start meditating put the effort in and that's when you'll start seeing the effects of the meditation create more things create that life that more freedom rich whatever you want peace of mind stuff like that does that make sense it definitely slows things down yeah. Which is weird and counterintuitive because you're like, I don't have time to meditate right now. I'm busy. I'm in a hurry. I'm blah, blah, blah. But then when you do it, and honestly, I'm terrible at it, but I go to float tanks quite often. Sure. And then I, I'm very comfortable in that. Like I've done many, many, many of those. I don't know, hundreds. Yeah. And I can do, do them and stay. I immediately get into gear. I know what's going to happen. My brain kind of goes into that place. I'm very comfortable in there. I just do it, and then I'm done. If I try and sit at home, it, it's very, very difficult for me. Maybe with more practice, but I just yeah, can. I have I haven't like put everything. the practice in. I don't want to because I f really feel like float tanks are far, far superior anyway, and I'd rather just commit more to those. Uh, but it does. I get done with the float tank, and that is a big chunk of your time. But really, it's only the same as watching a movie. So it's it's, if you got time to watch a movie, you got time to do the float tank if you're close enough to one. And I'm right by the one in Venice, but it really slows things down. Puts it, it just does like concerns and fears that I feel that are right on me go get much further away. Yeah, you're like, oh, these are just things. Calms down and the monkey mind. Yeah, and I wonder if it does allow you to get into a gear that maybe either makes it for them easier to perform. Or maybe easier just to maintain their their not so much fast paced life though. Joe's seems very fast paced. Mm -hmm. Tom's way ch way more chilled, but he's still doing big things. You know, he has to perform the big crowds. That's a responsibility. He has a show. You know, just just this. Yep. This bit of of meditation, and I wonder if I do it enough. What is your kind? Of, do you do any? Do you how how do you do it? Do you just I sit do. There and go. Or? I do well. Actually, I don't even know if I've ever told you this. I'm actually a practicing Buddhist. Did I ever tell you that? What? Yeah, I actually am. I don't ever talk what to. Does anybody. that mean you get like a membership? Yeah, I got a card and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have no attachment to memberships. No, I actually. Oh, okay. No, I actually. I'm. Um, I'm. I'm legitimately the worst Buddhist outside of Burma that you could find. But, um, How, wait, wait, start over. How does this come about? So uh, this was damn near 14 years ago. Buddy of mine was just going to his like 
Buddhist group, and I was like, so everybody used to call me Dr. House. Uh, you remember that show with Hugh Laurie? He was the, he was the yeah. doctor. Um, and they didn't call me that because I was handsome like Hugh Laurie, although I am. No, uh, they called it because I was kind of a curmudgeonly asshole. And I had this moment where I was like, I don't want to be this guy anymore. I don't want to be that. So what is it that makes me so angry? What is it that has me so full of discontent? And I literally was asking these questions. And then I went to this meeting with my buddy. And it was this, it was this Buddhist group in Santa Monica. Um, all very sweet people, although some of them are um, a little too hardcore about Buddhism. Um, and it, 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 I didn't stick with that group because it felt like Sunday church. But when the guy that spoke, he kind of spoke to the questions that I was asking myself at that moment. And I'd even told my friend that and he looked at me like in the middle of like this dude's, I hate to say sermon because that's so associated with religion, but it was just kind of his sermon. And he just, and my buddy looked at me and he was like, holy shit, you were just talking about that. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm sticking with this. But I, what I loved about Buddhism more than anything was, and it's not the religion, I don't subscribe to the religion, the, I don't care about the metaphysics, I'm kind of agnostic about it, I'm like, that's great if it's, if, if it's real, awesome, if it's not, it, it's no sweat off my back. I like more Zen or Tibetan Buddhism where it's like uh, this idea of non-attachment, um, the, the, hum, the be, human life is suffering and that and that is caused by attachment to things. And if we let go of our attachments, uh, our suffering will lessen. But for me, it wasn't as much as like, no, I know how to let go of all my attachments. It was kind of an understanding of where my discontent was coming from and understanding the cause and effect of every action that I take and knowing what the result will be from how I behave. So I understand, I still have attachments. I have attachments to my girlfriend. I have attachments to my cats on cocaine. Um, if I were to hmm. lose them, I would be distraught. But then there are things that like, eh, old baseball cards. I enjoy them. But if they, if they were gone tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, that's too bad. And I'd move on. Whereas 10 years ago, I could have been, it could have ruined my month. Things like that. Does that make sense? So that's kind yeah. of where. Okay. So that's kind of how I approach life, and it's not this big deal. Or I mean, obviously, you know, I work as a bouncer at some places, and I've had to get into scrapes with guys. So it's not. Sorry, I got a helicopter. Um, it's not like I'm wearing Tibetan robes and you know preaching to people and stuff like that as they walk by. It's just kind of a. No, it's of interesting because you've you've never mentioned it to me, but I've also never seen you. You've always been very nice. You're a nice person. You're known for that. Yeah. So if you weren't before and you felt oh, yeah. confrontational or angry, that that's asshole. a nice thing to see that it changed. It did because I can't imagine that in you at all now. Yeah, you just no. don't. Yeah, no. you don't. Maybe I should become Buddhist then. Damn. It was. Well, it, you know, it brought me peace. It brought Too me angry. peace of mind. They're too angry. It just brought me peace of yeah. mind, and I just stopped sweating the small stuff. You know, and, and look, anybody that's driven in LA traffic, especially recently, because people have been really fucking shitty drivers. But anybody that's driven in LA traffic, um, it's really hard to stay "quote unquote" enlightened. There was another great quote. I think it's Eckhart Tolle that said, "If you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your parents." And um, uh. And it's the absolute motherfucking truth. Um, but it brought me peace of mind. And, but yes, so back to the original question. With that, there is meditation. And I was doing meditation. The first Buddhist group I joined was uh, Nishram Buddhism. They're Japanese Buddhists. Um, and they chant. They do this, this famous Namiyaho Renge-kyo, or semi-famous, I don't know. Um, and that's chant. And that's their form of meditation. But there are other forms of meditation. There's meditation through sound. There's people that just simply imagine a ball of light. There's all these different things. but they, And I'm not as good as I should be about it because I think it would improve my life dramatically. Um, but it definitely helps, and it definitely was part of the practice. But it's just really clearing your mind out. Just getting rid of that, again, the monkey mind, the monkey brain. Just getting rid of those excess thoughts that are weighing you down. 
Huh, that's interesting. So then it might turn out that you... Because I don't really know people that meditate, and I only count yeah. myself as doing so because of the length of time I'm in the float tanks, which adds uh -huh. up, and it, it is real. That's real time that I meditated. Yeah. Um, even though I wasn't just sat there cross-legged in my front room. Uh, you don't have to do to... that shit. You can meditate yeah, anywhere. Yeah, so I do it my way, but I didn't really know anyone else that did it. That's fascinating. Yeah. Huh. I have to f we'll get into your strategies um for doing that another time the, sure. the last part of the, what they talked about though is what i wanted to pull you in on this whole epstein thing so yeah. i guess it was right after this podcast that he showed up dead hung himself right right conspiracies off the wall off the Come wall on. crazy so what the idea what is the whole deal with this dude and, so, and obviously a lot of people know and i've pieced it together but yeah, he I owned mean, an island with a bunch of kids on it yeah you owned an around. island and you basically trafficked underage like minors underage kids for Damn. sex for sex i guess with other billionaires things like that um t a bunch of twisted fucks um and he was doing right that. And, and of course and he raped and molested a bunch of kids himself um and of course the conspiracy theories were immediately that these other billionaires whether it be Donald Trump or Bill Clinton or any of the other ones that he hung out with obviously had him murdered because he was going to sing and they were all going to end up in the clink. Um, so that's that's kind of the conspiracy theory that's out You would have right thought now. he has like a tape somewhere. His like, if I end up hung in my cell tape right gets released maybe maybe the powers that be can just stop it from every direction what was creepy to hear is joe was saying and i guess they googled this but clinton had like flown with him 26 times on their private jet and you know and still made out like oh i didn't know any of this uh -huh. and and really great comparison that joe made is he, he turned to jamie the sound engineer dude and was like hey jamie we're pretty close right he's like yeah He's like, how often have we flown together? He was like, I don't know, like four times. Yeah. So when you've flown with someone 22 more times, that's a lot of times of flying somewhere with someone. Any, I mean, you can assume that a lot more of their life that they interacted. Right. And, um, anyone who listens to this one. show regularly has probably um, deduced that I am fiercely liberal. Um, so with that caveat... Bill Clinton's shady as fuck. Now, <laughs> I mean, and if it were going to come out tomorrow that he was also um, doing what Epstein did, if he was uh, banging underage minors on this island, I'd be like, yep, sounds right. Sounds right. Yep, no, no surprise there. Because, um, yeah, he's shady as fuck. Um, Crazy. And, and, yeah, I mean... What is it? Uh, causation isn't correlation, or vice versa. Correlation isn't causation. But bitch, when they smoke, they fire. So, but this goes back to the conversation you and I were having last week when we were talking. Because the minute he died, of course, all these conspiracy theories jumped up. Like, oh, he was murdered. They had him murdered. I'm like, you have no data, no evidence, no nothing to support that assertion. In any way, shape, or form, you simply had a thought, and you were like, well, that's got to be it. With zero evidence whatsoever to back it up. So, I'm kind of like, and I'm like, again, I'm fiercely liberal. But even when the whole Trump and Russia stuff was happening, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit back. I'm reserving judgment because I don't like his politics. I think he's a colossal asshole. But I got no knowledge whatsoever that he has done anything, did anything shady to get elected. Now, I want to believe it because I fucking hate him, but <laughs> I didn't have any, I had no idea. And so I sat back and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if he did. I don't need to know that he did to know that I hate him, but I don't know that yeah, he but did. That's, that's just boring, Mark. Right. I know. I'm Conspiracies sorry. are way more exciting. There, so, do you and... know, um, there's some study done that Americans are more conspiratorial by nature than the rest of the world. That's pretty interesting because Isn't there's, it? there's gypsies in the rest of the world and, and they seem like, 
you know, they just well, make imagine. up their own science, so They're... why wouldn't they make Some up... Americans! Oh, true. Climate it's change. Oh, it's sunspots. The fuck are you? You don't know even know what sunspots are, you asshole. You think the sun has <laughs> acne. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Yo, I think there we gypsies, go. I think gypsies are well, a small it, it, sample But size. it's interesting dialogue, this whole story, because the next podcast on, Fahim Anwar, another great comic, younger yes. guy. Yes. Uh, that's podcast 1334. The first thing that they got into was talking uh-huh. about Alex Jones, right? And Alex uh-huh. Jones drives people crazy, but he has been banging on about this island and these billionaires for a long time, and it's like part of his, just just some of the like absurdly uh, unfounded type of stories right. that he would throw out that people are just like, oh, he's a conspiracy nut. Of course. But when it comes true, and when it's real, Ugh. that's fascinating stuff the, the, and the only way for alex jones to not be the worst part of any story is if it involved children getting raped that is literally the only way alex jones could be not the worst part of the story that's how much i hate <laughs> but well man, he I, figured it out he, he was dude. talking about this other news people were not talking about it yeah and well, i find him i i if anything he is hilarious he is yeah. an hilarious person. It's always unintentional. He's just ranting oh, and going. But, but my God. I mean, definitely always one of my favorite uh, Rogans to listen to. Oh, yeah, got, that's always You almost got to wear a seatbelt just to listen to it. Oh, that's how crazy that those podcasts go. You fucking do. Um, but, you know, when you think of where you get information from and the fact that some of this... Some of that noise that he makes could be very valuable. It's almost like the boy who cried wolf because he's talking about aliens one minute and alien human hybrids. So you stop paying attention, thinking it's maybe nonsense. And right. He hits you with these guys are in part of this child fucking cult. And, you know, it's happening on these islands. And it's like, oh, nobody needs to believe it. Well, that's it's almost like the government saying UFOs. You know, it's like they pull you into that conspiracy. Sure. And then they make you sound crazy by believing it. Well, that's far more believable than um, lizard people living under the surface of the earth or human-alien hybrids. I mean, like, it is feasible that there are billionaires operating human trafficking and banging miners on a, an island. It seems absurd and ridiculous because we're poor and... You know, I'm like I can't even afford Amazon Prime right now, so I gotta get like six day free delivery, and they're just shipping kids back and forth. But well, the, it's the not out of the is, realm like, of possibility. Yeah, you don't you don't really associate being a billionaire with that. Right? No, it's like oh, if Twisted. I ever got a billion dollars, these are all the things I'd like to do. If there was one guy in the room that was like, dude, I would love to go to an island where I could fuck kids, you just turn around and be like, excuse me, wait, what? Exactly. That, twisted fucks. Um, twisted fucks. The, it, right? Well, we'll find out, I guess, maybe. Maybe he just hung himself. And I mean, whether he did that or not, it doesn't change what was happening. I hope they're like no. continuing to look into this. It's they like, are. oh, he's dead, and now they just don't care who else went to that fucking island. They are. Yeah. Ugh. Twisted Makes you think, man. Makes you think. Uh, yeah. Well, f- so, back to Fahim. It's kind of like the yes. same question that Tom Papa was saying about kids. Because his parents wouldn't let him go do stand-up. And mm-hmm. just go to school to do stand-up, right? Yeah. He had to go to school, as he was saying, like for like a, a good degree. So, he's kind of like bartering back and forth with his parents who were going to pay for him to do four years. Of which he planned mostly to do stand-up. Which I think mm-hmm. is... A fucking awesome plan and what a genius yeah. so he goes to engineering school keep his parents happy ends up working for boeing but eventually quits after putting in a lot of time doing stand-up getting to the comedy store and like booking some real gigs that is fucking awesome like i yeah. couldn't be i didn't know a lot about him i'd seen him perform a few times at the comedy store he is very good but that to me was just genius Right. Like, what a long shot of a plan. But, like, he knew, 
when you know he's working at Boeing that okay he's got a good job he can still do that and then he started to book some good things absolutely I mean what a yeah that's such an incredibly smart and stable yet a little maybe methodical and boring way of going about things but it's fucking cool right yeah i bet i bet his huge ass pool with a slide and diving board's boring too but (laughs) you know (laughs) he figured it out yeah but you know what for every every brilliant success story like that we're like wow what a way to do it it's a hundred thousand failures they're like oh that would have been cool if you were good (laughs) you know right yeah (laughs) and and then to hear He's kind of like, as we were saying, the next generation, right? Or or so, I guess. I don't know how you would divide up the new comedy generations, but, I mean, things are changing all the time. You know, over this next decade, the the next young line of stand-ups are going to learn in a a different way, like how to get their name out there and their material, whether it's social media or whether that changes slightly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're already kind of hearing noises that, these sketches that you put on YouTube don't really take off. I mean, Fraheem was talking about that. You know, he used to do skit sketches and yeah. he put them on YouTube. And then, you know, they kind of go viral and then people loved it. But now the sketches that do well on YouTube are like clips of Key and Peele's show or right. other shows that are already legit. They're the ones that kind of circulate. It's almost, mm-hmm. I don't know if the algorithms have changed, but maybe the way people share things has changed on there. So it's I almost the like these new comics have. I bet the on. algorithms changed. It probably. It, it's almost like the this you know a new wave of comics are like okay, so we can't go about it that way. Yeah. And and oh, so you know Andrew Schultz, yeah. the the comedian that that I sent you. He was um, he's the New Yorker guy, um, quite brash, uh, very very funny. Oh yeah, new, he's fucking great. New, yeah, he's absolutely brilliant and and really like hammering away at this like PC kind of gridlock that yep. that exists. But I guess he reached out to either Joe or Fahim. They were they were talking and he was saying that um you can't search him as easily now on Interesting. YouTube. Yeah. It's like you you have to if you're subscribed to him it come up. But it's not just like before you could just write Andrew S and he'd be the first search. Now it's not popping up that way. I tried it on my phone and it seemed to be searching, but you know, with with the way that he speaks and the way that um, he kind of goes at people, sure. you know, who knows? It only takes one person in charge of the algorithm to kind of change things around. Their company, it's a scary world of YouTube. It, well, they're a company and they want to push their own products just like anybody else. Um, they've just, the problem is they've pretty much cornered the market. They've completely cornered the market. Who uses Yahoo search? Who goes to Vimeo? I hate Vimeo. Like, I mean, it's, you go to Google, you go to YouTube and they are one and the same now. And they, they're going to push their own shit. So if they, if, if it doesn't, they'd much rather have comics that are doing sketches at the YouTube space. That is through their own, you know, their own company, their own network. They'll promote that. But if it's independent stuff, they have zero um, interest. And I think a lot of this started happening when they changed their monetization policies about a year back. Maybe it wasn't even a year. But um, because I had a buddy who was doing incredibly well with this little horror anthology series. And that that hit him. That hurt him. I mean, he got a deal with Blumhouse, which is really cool. Um, So it kind of... It happened in the nick of time for him, but he—I mean—he got hurt. He was like, "Yeah, I don't get the—I don't get the money I used to get. I don't get the views I used to get." So they might be trying to save money, but again, I have no data to back it up, so I can't reach a conclusion. I can—I can only yeah. operate on conjecture. Hmm. It's fact, yeah, I don't know a lot about how they pick those things, but I could imagine that you know, I, I guess what you're saying is that they it then. They're not showing his name so that they can push their own shows. And I've, I what feel they like were that. implying was that maybe it's a, more of a ban, more of a censorship issue, which I think is more damaging. It's fine it if you just want damaging. to push something that would make more um, numbers. But, like, at what point are you getting – I mean, it doesn't mean that, like, other comics then have to be like, oh, shit, if you want to do well on YouTube, you can only talk about X, Y, and Z. Could be. Like, that's that's not cool. 
I don't like that shit. It's not. So somebody needs to go create a new YouTube. You know, it wouldn't hurt to have multiple video ones that well, would work. And there is. I wonder why they don't have more of those. There is also the question of um, algorithm in terms of content, because you got a lot of. I mean, there was a lot. There was a big purge on YouTube. A lot of the white wing, right wing extremists like our buddy. Um, What's his face um, from Infowars that you were just mentioning? My oh, Alex name. Jones. Alex Jones. Like they wiped him off. They wiped a bunch of people off. So I wonder if that somehow ends up in the algorithm. If it's simply an algorithm of like a- a- anything that comes across offensive or controversial or nuts, maybe that just kind of filters it out. Maybe so. Maybe he's just kind of stuck in this shitty riptide of censorship that yeah but that's so shit like who fucking decides that that's bullshit exactly the same with alex jones when i heard they did that i was like you fucking kidding me like people should be allowed to speak this is america Mm -hmm. like even if it even if some other people think it's crazy it's like you can't turn people off that's definitely the beginning of some bad stuff because it's all fun and games till someone turns you off and it's easy Absolutely. to be like, well, yeah, but I don't say stupid shit. And you're like, well, in whose opinion? In whose opinion? Because you've already said it to me. Yep. Great you line know, from uh, great line from the American president is like, uh, exercising your First Amendment rights is like you, you if I, I'm going to horribly misquote it and yeah, just you destroy the fuck it, out of that one. butchering the fuck <laughs> out of it. But it's something that's like, um, go scream at the top of your lungs, defending the right. Of a man to scream at the top of his lungs something that makes your skin crawl. That's that's then talk to me about land of the free and home of the brave, and it's kind of true. Wow. Like, either all speech is free or none of it's free. Yeah, you just have a dialogue afterwards where if you didn't agree, then you just say I don't agree with that. And I will definitely I mean, say, as as a professed liberal, I'm really over that part of it on the left side, this idea of going away. Do I like Nazis and MAGA people? No. And I'd be thrilled if we stopped giving them attention. But I loathe this idea that somebody says something asinine and then they've got to go away. Like Mario Lopez makes this comment about kids that are transgender. And if you listen to it, yes, if you look at it on paper, it's a little more incendiary. And then when you listen to it, you're like, ah, he didn't eloquently express what he was trying to say, but I kind of get where he was going. And then all of a sudden he's like, people coming out of the woodwork, you have to go away and he needs to be fired and he needs to apologize. Like for what? To whom? Fuck off. Fuck you. He gets to goddamn say what he wants to say. You don't just have to go away because you said something on a goddamn morning show about, about how you sincerely feel. I don't know. I I just love, I think that's the key though, is just to not apologize. If if you I really decide is. that it was that it was not something you should have said, change it in yourself, and then don't say that again. Exactly. Or don't think that way. But, but you so don't have to apologize because who the fuck are you apologizing to anyway? Some of it should. People are getting crazy, and it's creating like this bossy ment like mentality too. It's like yeah. everyone gets to say something to everyone else instead of letting everyone be, even with their quote unquote to you wrong ideas. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to say something now. And I swear to God, I can sense it. Even in my gym. Like, you can't put towels there. You can't wear shoes there. Like, everyone just wants to lecture each other. I'm just like, who the fuck? Are you the fucking towel flip-flop police? I know. I know. The other day, there was almost, like, a straight-up fight in the sauna. Because somebody had a glass bottle. And somebody, some other dude was like, you can't have glass in here. They sell glass bottles of drinks right outside in the area where you get drinks right and it's like okay i look i know there's a bit of an issue glass smashing in a sauna people just wearing flip-flops or near a pool yeah that's a bad it's not ideal you know but there's certainly ways of going about talking to somebody i mean this guy just came right at him like you better take that out like it was a bomb i'm like whoa dude why don't you calm down before he decides to throw it at you exactly we have a real issue with grown-up people holding glass. I, I don't know. I, I feel like these things go hand in hand. Adults are just like, big kids. That's all they are. Geek. They're just big I, kids. Ugh. I hadn't seen some bossy shit like that for some time. For, yeah. For real. For real. Dude, um, I know. Yeah, it was wild. It was very wild. But it, it calmed down. 
and then uh, and then it just got me thinking about like, um, dude, you know, do you remember this? And you, this not might not have been in your stratosphere, but it was it was about a month or two ago. My poor girlfriend had to listen to me rant about this. There was a group <laughs> online that was really going after Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt of Jurassic World, Galax- Guardians of the Galaxy, Parks and Rec fam. Um, yeah, yeah. And in, in the, he's outward with his with his faith. Um, but he's not like so in your face about it because the guy's still a goofball, but he's outward with his faith in a way that probably most celebrities are not, but I wouldn't say he, he's in your face about it at all. Um, cause trust me, I love those people and I love Chris Pratt, but he goes to a church and I don't know, it's, it's in some way affiliated with some other church that had a preacher or a pastor or something that said some anti-gay, had some anti-gay rhetoric. And I believe it was Ellen Page that went after him. Um, and I think she did it on Colbert. She either did it on Colbert or she did it right after she was on Colbert. And went after him. And they're calling on him to denounce, like, this group. Cause, and I was like, Chris Pratt is so beloved in this town. If you don't live in Los Angeles, he's incredibly beloved. I've never met a human being that's met Chris Pratt that didn't adore him. He's sweet. He's kind. He's a big goofball. He loves everyone. He's kind and respectful to everyone. You look at the cast of Parks and Recreation. You look at the Marvel group. You look at the Jurassic World group. They all fucking love him. I'm like, this dude has done nothing to anyone. And it really, and I, I deduced, based on no data, but it se- certainly seemed like most of it was just a reaction to him being outward, outward with his Christian faith. I'm not a Christian. Oh, but no doubt. You don't need data for that. Of course it, it was. It was, And it was infuriating because I was like, this dude has done nothing to no one. He's just a big goofball online and he makes movies that make dude, money. Dude, people have jumped all over Chris because, and it's interesting you bring it up because Rogan always does because they have a farm and he slaughters his own goats and things and like has his kids be active with it so they know where their food comes from sure i think that's a fucking awesome bit of education i'm sorry if you just look at it from knowledge it's really really important if they choose to be a vegetarian after that awesome you know but but it makes you understand what's happening again people jump all over him for that yeah you can't apologize well here's the irony of this too ellen page who who is um who's a lesbian and and was the one that brought it up She'd been on Colbert. It was either when she did or she was on Colbert the night before. Colbert, who's a devout Catholic, and I do believe the Catholics, I grew up a Catholic, so I know very well, the Catholics have a couple of skeletons in their closet about homophobia and child molestation, if I'm not mistaken. So it was very interesting that one celebrity would be called out because of a loose association with some person, and then you have this monolithic entity that has existed for thousands of years that is responsible for some horrendous atrocities and that's not even addressed like the catholic church is pretty clear on their views on homosexuality they've not changed them in any way they're pretty clear on their views about women too no offense to anyone who listening who was catholic but they're pretty clear so for her to go after chris man don't pratt, worry joe's joe's ragging on them constantly yeah anyway. but it's like but for her to go after chris pratt when she's sitting there in the presence of a devout catholic whom i adore do not get me wrong but i was like come on pot kettle black let's get real please yeah but regardless of that that that's a comparison not even worth making it's like, oh, so a piece of shit said something. It shouldn't make it less right. inexcusable, even if she was the nicest person in the world. And she, she might just doesn't very matter. well be. She might what's, very well what's be. What's he trying to do? He's probably I a know. It was like, why so you what is, shit? You know, it's just like, you're trying to, what? He's not out. Look, number one, he's not out talking shit about anybody. No one. You know, he has energy like The Rock, and he just stands by some of the other things that made him him. Yeah. Why should he have to turn into this like Hollywood version of a something? Yeah, why can't he just like be a it. man? Probably why people liked him so much in the first place is because he yeah. has these attributes about him that's like fucking I'm a rugged dude and I'm a bit of a badass. Also, I'm hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love him. Yeah. I love the guy. And I'm pretty sure yeah. he's conservative and I don't care. I don't care because I can Whoa. like somebody for not being 
just because they have different ideas from me. I can fucking love them because I do. Which is the most oh, – it's, it's it's such a ridiculous thing that you have to even justify that statement. I know To think it is, that we can't like people that don't think differently. I mean that would be terrifying to me. If I could only have one party's worth of friends, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, what the fuck is this? It's just an echo chasm of all the things you agree with. And the best conversations I get into is when uh, it's completely opposite. But you love the person you're talking to. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I love Bill Maher. And a lot of my friends really don't like Bill Maher. But I'm like, you know what? That dude don't give a fuck. And he says a lot of shit that liberals are afraid to say. And I'm like, and he's also not afraid to like conservatives and be friends with them. Just And he's like, I'm not going to live in, any, in a bubble any more than I want them to live in one. And I fucking love that. That's pretty interesting. I never really watched this show. I've seen a few things. I think I you'd quite like this documentary, him. the religious one. I think you'd love it. That was him. good. Yeah, I don't have time to watch TV though. Man. Yeah, I know you don't. I'm not gonna sit there and watch. I haven't watched him. I haven't watched him in a year, and it's not because I don't like him. It's because I just haven't had. time. I'm surprised more little snippets don't show up on YouTube. You know, like this mm. is two minutes of him. Back that might be YouTube. a good way to absorb some stuff on the show. It's true. <clears throat> Talking about YouTube and the Amazons and all the rest of it. Yes. Uh, Jim Gaffigan. Let's finish up with that. Yeah. Um, legend. Love the guy. One of my favorite comedians. And I'm not really a big fan of the like completely PC comedians, honestly. Sure. I'm always kind of looking for patterns where they clearly should have said it in a more raunchy way, but you know mm-hmm. they've turned back from it. And it annoys the fuck out of me. I'm just like, oh, dumb. Right. Who are you pandering to? But that's just me. I like, I get it. It's I like your own sensibility. more fucked up things. But with him, it's always been different because he's such an interesting goofball that I just love it. Uh, and uh, I, and I too. the way that he makes fun of himself is, oh, the is like nobody else's business. Nobody yeah. else does it that well. Nobody beats him. Nobody, nobody makes fun of themselves better. He and really he just... points out the most absurd shit about himself. And you were telling me, what is it? What what was it? Amazon, thirty million. Yeah. So he sold his special, I think, exclusively to Amazon, right? Which is a bit of a new wave. And mm-hmm. suppose, from what I've read, they paid through the fucking ass on this one. Thirty yeah. million. Now I don't know if that's like a direct payment or if it's like, look, you get half of that and then you get half of whatever plays and da da da. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's that's a big deal. That's, that's a, a lot a of fuck money. Ton of money, and that really speaks to like, look, they have the data, so they they, they know how many people are going to watch hit this special, and that says so much to his popularity. Yep, yep. Damn. Now, if they could just get their goddamn home screen interface better, I could actually watch it. <laughs> that's 95% of the reason I watch Netflix instead of Amazon is that Amazon may have a bunch of great shit but like I can't find it or it take, it's a pain in the ass or they start offering me they have a whole row of like here's a bunch of stuff you could buy from us I, if I wanted to buy things from you I wouldn't be here in the first, I'd be on your goddamn website buying like I don't know jumper cables or something for 10 bucks that's not why I want to watch free shit to pay fifteen ninety nine for that that's how yeah. I feel about it. I, I can't even remember the last time I watched something on Amazon, actually. I was trying to think when I last interfaced with that system. We're watching The I Boys. I don't remember. Uh, I watch Hulu. I watch a bit of that. Yeah. I've been on Netflix. Uh, so I, I go on that one. Hulu seems to work pretty good for me. That's a decent setup. But it's not bad. Anyway, Amazon has the money because fuck it. They, they pay do. And, and there we go. You know, he's together with it. He's another one of the guys that works a lot of his stuff out on stage, though his wife does write a lot of his comedy. Did you know that? I, I heard that. Yeah, that's awesome. He didn't talk about it much on this podcast. It didn't really actually at all. I don't think it came up, but it's something that I knew. And they have a very close family. He has five kids. So they're just this big unit, you know? Right. And because of the money that he has, he has the freedom to spend a lot of time with them. And I think that's how... It's just all the time. It's like a family working together to just find these gems of of comedy. And when you're a polite comic as well, you know, it, it, with kids, you've got a lot to write about because they're the kind of... That's true. You know, that it, never ends. You don't... Yeah, yeah. And you don't want to make... That sh- shit shouldn't be raunchy. You don't want to go from no, raunchy don't. comedy to then chatting about your kids and then it just... That's a difficult transition. It's true. It, it, well, it is because it feels yucky. 
it feels like you're watching mm. Daddy Daycare and then it becomes it, you know? <laughs> Jim, on this one podcast, and it was one of the longer conversations I'd ever heard him have, uh, and I guess I just didn't know a lot about him. He's a very passionate guy. You can yeah. hear it. Like, he gets, like, it doesn't just start off with some comedy, obviously. Like, right. you always see him being funny and silly, but he's he's pretty serious and has pretty solid, strong points on things that frustrate him. And sure. when you've heard that dialogue and him speaking in that way to Joe, you can see this kind of reverse, you know, um, engineering into his jokes. You're like, oh, this is kind of how he goes back right. from that. Like, yeah. he gets really worked up about some stuff. He gets annoyed. I think he likes to talk shit in his own mind about something that frustrates <laughs> I'm sure him. He and does. then he's like, I'm going to slowly turn this into a joke. I guess a lot of comics do that, though, right? Of course. I think so. Yeah, for sure. What kind of size crowds do you think Gaffigan is performing for? They're big, right? They're, they're close to oh, as big as you can get. Oh, I think they got to be pretty damn get. big. I, I mean, yeah. could, you think he could film... Uh, I mean, he could, he could fill Carnegie Hall. Easy. You think you think so? Yeah, could he fill Madison Square Garden? Maybe. Probably. Oh, I mean, Sebastian sold that out like two nights in a row. Yeah, so yeah, I think Gaffigan easily sells that out. Gaffigan's got to be up there for sure. I mean, what a place in comedy to be. Yeah. So does he does he sell out Lambeau Field? That's the question. Like, how mm, big right. how big does the stadium have to get before he can't sell it out? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, Joe and Chappelle were together. The biggest thing they sell, sold out was twenty five thousand. They broke the all time attendance record. That's <sighs> fucking insane. Twenty five thousand. What a damn. night though that would have been. That's a show, God dude. Damn. Hell Good yeah, Lord. they had like a DJ, everything going. Oh man, yeah. It just unbelievable and it's funny joe talks about it not feeling like real life it must not feel like real life can't it can't can't. that would be so crazy god help you when it starts feeling like real life that's when you're transporting minors back and forth from an island because they're like i can do whatever because we're all just in a dream (laughs) (laughs) right oh that was great one of my favorite things about jim gaffigan i think it was maybe like two or three specials ago and i'm not sure if you remember it but he starts it just like how you kind of imagine like a depressive comic to exist Uh i think he like woke up late in a shitty looking hotel room like ordered some pizza at like noon i don't know if he made himself seem like he was drinking that's maybe not his style but he was just making himself out to be look like a slob Right. Then he was like ironing something like his shirt. The next minute he's crying. It's all just kind of cut together. It's like it, it just the the pain and psychosis and loneliness right. of being a comic all in one. The crying bit I especially thought was hilarious because it's like, you know, he's getting ready to get in the mode to go perform and now he can't do it and he's no good and all that doubt. And it was just fucking hilarious how he put it together. He... He really just does act out like the most he's, simple. Of he's things. hysterical. Uh, here's a little confession: I will never watch the intro of a comedy special ever. I loathe them, hate them, despise them with every fiber of my being. I'm like, just go to the show. I don't need your little bullshit intro. I don't need you ironing. I don't need you walking around New York. I don't need. You, I don't need any of it. Just get to the show. I always skip it at 100% of the time without fail. And if I ever am lucky enough to get a Netflix special, I will not have an intro at all. If I have an intro, it'll be me talking about how much I hate intros. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yep. Dude. Then I hope I direct it and I I will put one in, but tell you that there wasn't one. And (laughs) it will just be you ranting about how you never want to have an intro. Yeah, you'll just like film it on your iPhone. It'll be like just us in like a bar. Yeah. Yep. No, no, I, we just recorded this on a podcast. I have oh, the soundbite. I'm just going <laughs> to play yes. this. Play this. That's pretty... I like them. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Mark. I like them. <laughs> I don't find... that. You know what I like about them is they're usually not funny at all. Never. And they're usually a little bit annoying. They're so And then I'm annoying. like, this is... It almost puts me in a different mood. It's like when the, when the special starts, it's like I'm just so relieved that that damn bit 
of like improv YouTube video is finished that <laughs> I can get onto some comedy. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Uh, we'll see. Well, Jim Gaffigan's one is out now, I believe, on Amazon. Yeah. So if anyone can figure out how to work Amazon and get through the menu and find it, watch that know. shit. I, I'm going to do it. I'll watch it this week, I think. I don't watch a ton of comedy specials. One, because so many seem to come out. And two, I'm just like, I don't know. I just don't. I just I can't know. get into it. But his I'll watch because, you know, it's like him, Louis. Joe's ones I love to watch, Chappelle, um, Chris Rock. I mean, there's just certain ones you have to watch because they're in their own way going to go down in history. Absolutely. Like Chappelle comes makes out. That list? Chappelle comes out next week and I'll be glued to the TV. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, damn. Eddie Murphy, when he comes back, I'll be glued to that TV. Oh, if he does, for sure. Yep. Well, anyway, that's it. That's all reviews of the comedy week. It was a great week. If you're into comedy, check out all of those podcasts because they all come from different angles and they all talk a shit ton about comedy which is great to learn about yep. and they're entertainment as fuck so yeah alright Mark all right, thanks baby. for listening guys thanks, thanks buddy guys. talk soon bye bye